All right, we're beginning here on the top of Ayin Aleph from an Aleph by the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Nadra vi Arusa. She took a nether while she was in Arusa. And we know that the din is with regards to an Arusa, that that is a shared or shutafut between the father and the Arus. And they each have to be made fair the nether jointly in order to to be made fair and nullify the nether that she's taken. So that would be your normal course. But, Nidgarsha, she got divorced on that day, and then she got remarried on that day. So she was together with an Arus in the first place. Then she divorced that Arus. And now a new Arus enters into the picture on the same day. Now the reason for it being on the same day is because otherwise you lose the opportunity to be made for the nether. The nether can only be on the day on the day that he hears it. And therefore, the importance or the emphasis here on the Bobayom is because otherwise there won't be an ability for them to be made for the nether. Once it gets to the Machar, it's no longer a relevant question anymore because the time has elapsed in which they can be made for the nether. Now, it's true that in general, we don't allow an Arusa who got divorced to re-engage in a halachic engagement on the same day, but let's assume that she did it even though maybe it wasn't permissible, or it's according to those Tanaim that believe that an Arusa is not subject to the Takanat Chachamim, that women have to wait three months. We saw that back in the Gemara in Ketubot, that in general women will have to wait three months before they get married. Now, it's obviously only relevant in cases where the woman is possibly pregnant. So in the case of an Arusa, it's not really relevant. Nevertheless, the Gemara over there concluded that we are mitakein atu. Arusa, in all situations, we demand that the woman waits three months in order that there is a consistent buffer between the first marriage and the second marriage, even though in this case, the chashash of her being pregnant is not really relevant. So either it's according to those Tanaim that say we are not mitakein in this case, or she did it anyway, and she got married. Afilu meya. Afilu the meya. Even she did this a hundred times on the same day. Avia uvalaha haron mefirin her father and the final Arus on that day are able to jointly be made for the Nidarim. Zaklau, here's the principle that is being established in this Mishnah. As long as she has not become independent, now she can become independent in a number of ways. One is her father passes away, then she becomes independent. The other way she becomes independent if she's a Bogaret, if she ages out of the time period in which her father has auspices over her, she reaches the age of Bulgaret, or the last possibility is that she got divorced. In a case where she had Nisuin and then got divorced, then she's also on her own reconnaissance, and she's no longer under the reshut of her father. So if she has not reached the point where she's reshut atzma, even for a moment, and her father and the final Arus have the right to be made for her Nidarim. Now, from the Mishnah itself, it's not clear who heard about the Nether. I mean, that the Mishnah itself only tells you that something happened on that day, and someone knows the information. So there's one of two possibilities about who knows the information. It could be that the father knows the information, or it could be that the Arus knows the information. And our Mishnah is not definitive about that question. It simply says that the Yom is significant. That day is significant. Well, that day can be significant because it's Yom Shamo, the day that they heard it. Who heard the Neder, or who that Yom Shamo is relevant to, is not clear from the Mishnah. And therefore, you have two possibilities. One possibility, it's the Av. And one possibility is that it's the Arus. 
What the Gemara is going to say now is Minolan. Now, generally when the Gemara says Minolan, it's a question of the Gemara, and then we're going to have Shmuel step in, who's an Amora. The Ran over here points out, and many of the other Rishonim point out, that that's not the setup of this Gemara, but rather the entire statement belongs to Shmuel. And Shmuel had a Misora that our Mishnah was discussing a case in which the Arus had heard about the Neder. Now again, I told you it's not Mukhrak from the Mishnah who heard, because it could be the father, it could be the Arus. Shmuel had a Misora in which he had understood the Mishnah that the Arus had heard about this Neder. And now the Gemara based on that, basically the member of Shmuel, Shmuel setting up the question in order to answer it, which is, How do we know that the final Arus over here has the right to nullify the Nidarim? That were already heard by the original Arus. So normally in a normal structure of a Gemara, the Gemara asks a question and then an Amora like Shmuel comes in and answers the question and gives us the source. As the Ron points out, another reason they point out, that's not the case here. Shmuel is saying the entire statement over here and that has to do with the proof that the Gemara is going to bring in the next section, which is Tanya Kavote de Shmuel. There's a Brita that's supportive of Shmuel. Well, it's not supportive of Shmuel's source because the Brita doesn't bring the source of Shmuel. The only thing it can be supportive of is the original statement of the Gemara that our mission is talking about a case where the Arus, the original Arus, heard about the nether. And because he heard about the nether, that's why there's a clock ticking in terms of that yom. But it also means that the Mishnah is talking about a case where the Arus heard and not in a case necessarily where the father heard. I mean, the father's hearing here would not be relevant or not make the impact. The most important factor is that the Arus had heard. The lesser Chiddush would have been that the father heard about the nether, and then the first Arus, who never heard about the Neder, is out of the picture. And then the new Arus enters into the picture. In that instance, it's much easier to understand why the latter Arus would have the ability to then be made for with the father, because the first Arus really wasn't, a, in a sense, a party to this Neder, because he never heard about it. On the other hand, if the first Arus already heard about the Neder, and then he's out of the picture, either because he died or because she divorced him on that day, then there's a more serious question as to why the latter Arus has the right now to pick up what the first Arus left behind, and why is he able to be made for the nether. So that's the nature of the statement of Shmuel, which is directing our mission to the greater Chiddush, which is that it's a case where the first Arus heard about the nether, knew about the nether. So that's what he says, Menalan Darus Acharon Mefer Nederim Shinir Ul Darus Rishon. They already heard about by the first Arus. The says, So she, we've already seen a number of times, that's a case of Erusin. So in the case of Erusin, and Nidarim already in existence. They pre-exist the Erusin that we have here. With regards to Nisuim, we know that the Baal doesn't have a right to be Mayfair Nidarim that are what are called Kodmin things that happened prior to the point of marriage. But over here, by Arusa, that's not the case. And here, the Bao has a right to be made for Nidarim that already pre-exist before they reach the point of Erusin. And that's what it says, Imayot Yadish, Un These are Nidarim that already existed before they ever became halakhically engaged. Nidarim Shayulah Kavar. So Umar says, Dilma, Hani Milishlo Nir Ula Arus Rishon. How do you know the Pasuk's talking about a case where the first Arus heard about it? All it says here is that 
here they were nidarim in place beforehand, and now they're halakhically engaged. You could suggest that the only thing that you're learning from this pasuk is that the arus in that instance has a right to be made for along with the father because they pre-existed, but that's the pasuk empowers him to be made for those nidarim. Who says that this is an instance or a case where someone else, there was another arus in the picture, and he already heard about them, already knew about them. Maybe it's true that in a case where the first arus heard about it, the latter arus would not have a right to be made for those nidarim. So, the latter arus would not have that right to be made for them. Where it says, The word aleha there is extraneous. It was unnecessary. And therefore, the word aleha grants us this additional limud that not only are we talking about a case where the nidarim pre-existed the erusin, but it's a case where the nidarim were already heard about or were in place with the arusa rishon and he knew about them. And now the arusa rishon is granted the right to be made for those nidarim. So now Shmuel explains to us, or basically gives us the parameters of the Mishnah, the structure of the Mishnah, to understand that it's this bigger Chiddush, that in a case where the Arus Arishon heard about it, the Arus Acharon is granted a right to nullify along with the father, in this case. Gemara now says, Tanyo Kavate Dishmuel. We have a Brighton that supports Shmuel. Actually, the Mishnah supports Shmuel, because the Mishnah tells us this case. But, what I mentioned to you before, and what all the Rishim focus on, is the fact that our Mishnah, again, is not clear about who heard about the nether. And therefore, the Gemara brings the Breitah as supportive of Shmuel's position, because in the Breitah, it's clear that the Arus is the one who heard about it. The Nara Hamurasa, a case where a girl is halakhically engaged, Avia Ubala Mifirin her father and the Arus jointly are nullifying her Nidarim. Kate said, what is the scenario? Shama Avia, her father heard about it, and he nullified it. And the husband never heard about it. He didn't have sufficient time to hear about it. Before he passed away. And then she gets re-engaged on the same day. Even a hundred times. Her father, and her latter husband, the last one that she is arusin with, can jointly be made for the Nidarim. Shama Bala, on the other hand, if the husband heard about it, Beheferla, and he nullified it, and the father did not hear about the Nidar, until the Bao dies, and the father goes back and wipes out the Chelek of the Bao. Amar Rabbi these are the position, these are the words of Beit Shemai. And then Beit says that you can't be Mayfair in this case. So now we have a Brita that supports this position of Shmuel. And then we have a number of Alachot that are brought down in this Brita. What the Rishonim are discussing now, what the Rishonim are troubled by now, is that we just had a whole bunch of these scenarios that were brought to us in Daf Samachet. And on Daf Samachet, we went through different scenarios. And these scenarios seem to differ slightly or not follow necessarily the principles that we established back on Daf Samachet. And so what the Rishonim are trying to do now is understand 
how we can reconcile between what is transpiring over here to what happened back on Daf Samachet, as well as what happened in between on Daf Ayin as well. So now, taking each piece by itself, let's look at each piece. The first question that one has to ask is that Rabbi Notan at the end says, Hein, hein, divrei Beit Shammai, that these are the words of Beit Shammai, and Beit Hillel disagrees. What is Rabbi Notan modifying or qualifying? Is Rabbi Notan qualifying or modifying only the latter statement, which is the case of Shama Bala, Veheferla, Veloi Spikav, Lishmo Achimita Bao? So is that the case where we say that that is the position of Beit Shammai, but Beit Hillel disagrees? But in the first case, the case of Shema via vefer la vel ispika ba lishmoat shemait. So then v'nitzar sabo bayom. In that case, everybody would agree. Meaning both beitelo and beitshemai would agree to that position. That's one possibility about how to explain Rabbi Nathan's position, and that is the shita of the Iran, as well as many of the other rishonim. On the other hand, the Iran himself quotes the baliat tosafot, and the rosh over here also quotes a similar shita. Say that when Rabbi Nathan comes to qualify that brayta, he's qualifying both sections of the Brita. Not just the latter section of the Brita, but the first section of the Brita. And Bitilah and Bitchamai are arguing in both instances, both in the first case and in the latter case. Right? That'll have the Afkaminot as we move through the Gemara, but that's the first question that we have to ask about the Brita. And the Machlokas Bishonim as to Rabbi Nathan's statement whether it only applies to the latter case or it applies to both cases. The other thing that we have to discuss is why does it work in this case? So now, in the first scenario, Shema Via the father heard about it, and he nullified his portion of the nether. And the Baal didn't have time to hear about it, and now he's out of the picture. And then we enter in a new Arus during that day, even a hundred times. Her father and the latter Baal are the ones who can jointly be Mefer the Neder in this instance. So now, in terms of the first Baal being eliminated from the picture, since he didn't hear anything in this scenario, why is the Bobayom so significant? So there are two ways to deal with the Bobayom. We said before in the Mishnah that the Bobayom is important because you only have that day to be Mefer the Neder. Well, if here in the case where the Arus himself did not hear about it, then why is it important that the Bobayom, that she gets engaged once again? The Bobayom is not so relevant over here because the first Arus never set the clock in motion. So one approach to this is to say that there are actually two cases in this first in scenario, which is that the Nitasa Bobayom is a second scenario, that one scenario is a case where the first Arus did not hear about it, and the second case is a case where the Baal did hear about it. And then she and then she gets engaged on that day. So there are actually two scenarios in that first case of the Brita. That's one way to deal with it. And according to those she told, that would be the support for Shmuel from this Brita. Now then, the way that the Ran deals with it is that here where the father has to repeat his hafara, meaning that his first hafara was not sufficient because a new Arus enters into the picture later on in the day, then the hafara of the father in this case has to be Bobayom. So the only way that he can be Mayfair, both his chilek as well as the chilek of the Arus in this instance, is in a scenario where he did it Bobayom, because he already started the clock ticking. 
and therefore he can't be made for the chilek of the Baal after a certain amount of time. And that's what starts the clock going. So now, we're moving on to the second case. Shoma Bala Vehefer Lo. The Baal heard about it, and he nullified it. And in that case, the father did not hear about it until the Baal passed away. The Av can go back and then wipe out the Chelek of the Baal. And when it says here, it's not that he doesn't have to be made for his own peace, because that's obvious. He hasn't been made for it yet. So that's why the Gemara is just telling you the Chiddush piece of it, which is that he has to be made for the part of the Baal, but he also, of course, has to be made for his section or his piece of it as well. Now, in this instance, we have a Machloket, where Beit Shemai says, Hey, hey, divrei Beit Shemai. But he says, He can't be made fair. He has to, seemingly, be made fair along with the Arusach Haron. And this becomes the support for Shmuel's position. Because in this latter case, we have a case where the Baal heard about it, and then the Av did not hear about it yet, and then the Baal passes away. Then the Av can be made for the chilek of the Baal, according to Beit Shemai, and according to Beit Hillel, the Arus Acharon, which is the scenario, which is in that first case, is also true in that second case, then the Arus, according to Beit Shemai, Acharon, plus the Av, can be made for the Neder, and that's exactly what Shmuel said, that when the first Arus hears about it, then the latter Arus is able then to be made for the Neder. No. They just have, but here, because there was a clock set in motion, since the first husband heard about it, the clock is ticking in terms of the Biyom Shamo. We already have Biyom Shamo. So, in Biyom Shamo, there are two people who can now be made for the nether. According to Beit Shemai, the father can take over that position of the Baal and made for his own nether plus the Baal's nether. But if he waits beyond that day, it doesn't help because then the clock already expired for the Baal. And at that point, the father can't do anything about it. So that's why they have to be made from the same day there, because the clock was already put in motion, and then the bow disappeared from the picture. In the case where there's a new bow there, then, again, that new bow is sub- subject to the original bow's hearing and setting the, t- the time or the clock in motion. Since he already set it in motion, the second bow is governed by that, and therefore, if he doesn't, if he's not made for that day, then there's no being made for it anymore. Over there, the father can be made for it when he hears it, or when he hears about it, and therefore it wouldn't have to be on the same day itself necessarily, but at least the new Arus has to be made for the nether on that day. Now, we have to discuss what we know from before, which is that we already learned in the previous Gemara, we did this in yesterday's Gemara, that there are two Limiyumudim that tell us information. One is Binurea Beitavia, which tells us that when the Baal gets knocked out of the picture, that the rights then go to the father. Now, once those rights go to the father, are they wholly given to the father? Does the father then have the sole right to be made for the nether? And has he have the ability to eliminate those nidarim? That we learned out from the second limud yesterday, which is, that we had mekish kodmei avaya the kodmei avaya rishona, which is that, just like prior to the first erusin, the father has sole rights of eliminating the neder, so too after the death of the Baal, the father has the sole rights to be made for the neder. Now, the, your question, which is, okay, so if the Baal already did his job, and he was made for the neder, then when it falls to the Av, to the father, 
then why does he have to be mefer chelko shobal? Chozer av umefer chelko shobal, and why does the father have to come back and be mefer that which the baal already did? Gemara now says, what's the machloket here? Rashi reads the machloket as being exactly that problem, that this issue of Beit Elo and Beit Shemai is not in concert with Beit Elo and Beit Shemai's opinion that we saw back on Samachet. Because back on Samachet, we saw that according to Beit Shemai, all the father has to do is be made for the chelik of the Baal. Beit Hillel over there said that he has to be made for the chelko, the chelik of Baal. Beit Hillel over there says that he has to take out his position as well as the position of the Baal. Over here, Beit Shemai says that he has to be made for chelko, the chelik of Baal, which is similar to Beit Hillel's position back on Samachet. And Beit Hillel says, Meferi Marut Sacharon. And Beit Hillel says he has to do with the Arut Sacharon, and the father can't do it alone. So what the Gemara is asking, according to Rashi, is how do we reconcile between Beit Hillel and Beit Shemai back on Daf Samachet, and Beit Hillel and Beit Shemai over here? The Gemara is going to answer, in general, we're going to see this in a second, is that there's a difference in the case. The case back on Samachet, the Baal never heard about it. Never Nirul Arus. The Baal never got wind of the Nidarim. And in that case, Beit Shemai believes that all the father has to do then is be made for the chilek of the Baal that he inherits. Beit Hillel says, no, you have to be made for his chilek as well as the chilek of the Baal. And that's because of the nature or the difference in their opinion. Beit Shemai believes Migas Gais, that once the father already had done his job before and being made for the nether, then all he has to do now is take care of the Baal's side of this and be made for the Baal's side of it. On the other hand, Beit Hillel believes Miklash Kolish, that when you made for the nether, it only weakens it. Then, when the father did the afarah, he just weakened the nether. But that still means that the Baal has a portion of it left, and the father has a portion of it left. It was never eliminated entirely. And therefore, when the Baal passes away, the father has to step in and take care of his position again, as well as the position of the Baal on that lower level, that Miklash Kolish nether. On the other hand, over here, it's a scenario or a case where the Baal heard about the nether. And since the Baal heard about the nether, over here, where Chemai believes, that when the Baal passes away, the father has to be made for Chelko. He has to be made for his Chelek because he didn't hear about it. He has to do his own Chelek. But he also has to do the Chelek of the Baal. Because once the Baal dies, his hafara goes away. It disappears. If he's dead, his hafara is meaningless now because with his death also disappears the hafara itself. And so therefore, Beit Shemai believes in this instance that not only does the father have to be made for his own Chelek, he also has to be made for the chilek of the Baal, even though the Baal already acted. Even though we believe Migaz Goy is according to Beit Shemai, that's not enough in this scenario, because when the Baal dies, that basically eliminates the hafara that he did. As opposed to the case in Samachet, where the father who did the hafara is still around. He did his hafara, he's still around, and then the Baal died, who didn't do his hafara. So then the father can step in and do the Baal's hafara, and that's it, we're done. Now that can in the case here where even if you say Migas Gais, that Beit Shemai believes that whatever the Baal did is done, that's only true if the Baal's still around. Now that the Baal has passed away, the Baal's hafara is meaningless. And since the Baal's hafara is meaningless, then for the father has to come back and be made for his own section, which he never heard about before, so he has to do it anyway. But he also has to be made for the Baal's section again. And for Beit Hillel, back on Samachet, the Beit Hillel believes that it's Miklash Kolish. That when the Baal acts, he comes to weaken the nether. And the father over there was the one who did the Afara. So he did the Afara, he weakened it. But then when the Baal dies, 
the nether as a whole, 100% of the nether is still there. It's just a weakened form of the Baal and the father. So the father therefore has to be made for his chilek, as well as the chilek of the Baal. On the other hand, in our case over here, where the Baal already heard about it, and then Beit Hillel says over here, then Mayferi Ma'arus Acharon, that the father does not have the right to inherit that which the Baal had because of the case of Miklash Kolish, and we saw this back on Dab Samachet as well, which is that once the Baal has been Mayfair, the Neder, that takes it down a notch. And since it takes it down a notch, that is not significant enough for the father to inherit the rights of the Baal. This is not significant enough for the father to inherit the rights of the Baal. Therefore, to be made for him, Arus Acharon. The Ran here asks a question and says, why does that work? Why does the Arus Acharon have the ability then to be made for the nether? Because if the father can't inherit that right, what does the Arus have over the father, the latter Arus have over the father, that he is able to be made for the nether? If you believe, like Beit Delel, that it's Miklash Kolish, and it's too insignificant to grant that right to another party, then just like when the first husband passed away, it's not granted to the father, it should also not be granted to the latter Arus. The Ran over here distinguishes and says that there's a difference between them. The father is trying to inherit a right that never belonged to him. He's trying to pick up a right from the Arus. He had his own rights, which is as a father, and now he's trying to also incorporate the rights of the Arus. If it's Miklash Kolish, he does not have that ability to inherit it or bring it over into his possession in order to be made for it. On the other hand, the Arus Acharon is not trying to inherit the rights of the first Arus. He is, as the Ran terms it, Kare Darus Arishon. He is an extension of the first Arus. He is basically replacing the first Arus. Not trying to inherit his rights, but rather stepping into his shoes. And since he's stepping into his shoes, there's no issue of the insignificance of the nether over here in his ability to be made for that nether. And therefore, Beit Hillel believes that in the case of the Baal being made for, the father himself cannot be made for it, according to Beit Hillel. And that's what we saw back on Samachat. But based on our over here, we see that the Arus Acharon can step into the shoes and the Arus Acharon can be made for the nether along with the Av, and that is because of the fact that the Arus Acharon is basically a replacement for the Arus Arishon, and therefore we don't need it to be inherited. We don't need it to be passed to him as a significant item because he's basically stepping into his shoes and he can act like the first Arus did act. Yes, it is, but the question is context. And so when they quote this Rabbi Natan, this qualification of Rabbi Natan, how are they quoting it over there? And Rashi understands that the Rabbi Natan over there, Beit Shemayim, Beit Hillel's positions, the way the Gemara explains them over there is different than the way the Gemara explains it over here. And Rashi is reconciling and saying that there are just two cases and that the meaning or the understanding of why Beit Shemayim's opinion is the same in both instances, Mikos Gois in both cases, and Beit Hillel's possession is Miklos Kolish in both cases. Nevertheless, we end up with a different outcome. Why do we end up with a different outcome? It's because the scenarios are not exactly the same. And Beit Shemai and Beit Hillel's positions, therefore, will result in a different outcome in the case in Samachet versus the case in Ayin Aleph. So they have the same position. The same position that's quoted there is quoted over here. But in the context in which they're quoted, it results in a different outcome. All right, so that's the explanation of the Braita, according to the way that Rashi is explaining it. Now the Gemara says, Bamai Pligay. What is the Machlokadir between Beit Shemai and Beit Hillel? Beit Shemai Savre, 
Beit Shemai believes, Beit Shemai believes over here that Nidarim Nami Shira'ui Larus Nitrokna Rishuta'ab. That even in scenarios where the Nidarim belong to the Arus, the Arus heard about them, Nitrokna Rishuta'ab. That possession, that right is granted to the Father. Omigaz Gais. And Beit Shemai's position is based on Migaz Gais which is once somebody acts to do a hafarah, as as if they've severed that part of the nether. So now we're going to go with the two explanations. Remember that there's a machlokas here in the Rishonim as to whether this machlokas of Beit Shemai Beitil only applies to the second case in the Brayta or is it applied also to the first case in the Brayta. So let's work through this first based on the fact that it only applies to the second case in the Brayta like the Ran suggests over here, which is this is now explaining why the father over here, has to be, according to Beit Shemai, Mefer Chelko, and the Chelik of the Baal. So first of all, Beit Shemai makes a statement that Nadarim Shira'oi Lera'urus, Nadarim that the Arus knew about and heard about, Nitrokna Rishuteav. That right can still be passed to the Father. Now, why is Beit Shemai allowed for it to pass to the Father? That's because Beit Shemai believes Migos Goiz, that when the Baal acted in the first place, and he was made for the nether, he heard about it, he was made for the nether, he severed off his peace. Now, when he dies, his hafarah basically is annulled, meaning that the annulment is annulled, and nothing happens. So now we're back to square one, where you have a full nether in place, and nobody has acted. But Beit Shemai believes that the father inherits the right from the arus, because the nether is a full nether now. It's significant enough that it can pass to the father. And therefore, the father can act over here to be Mefer Chelko. He'll re- eliminate his Chelek, because he's hearing about it for the first time, as well as the Chelek of the Baal. He can step in now and inherit the right of the Baal and be made for that nether. And the reasoning behind Beit Shemai's position is, Nehidichimetarus passes away, Zafarat is eliminated, Since the Rus is out of the picture, this nether is no longer relevant to an arus. That's why the father steps in without the arus, and he alone can be nether. As we said earlier, that whenever the arus is out of the picture, the ab becomes the sole mayfair of the nether. So that's the explanation of Beit Shemai's opinion over here in that latter half of the bright. Beit Hillel Savre, Avia Ubala Charon Mefirin Nidarea. The father and the latter Arus are Mefirin the Nidarim, below Migos Gois. And they don't believe in Migos Gois. They believe in Miklash Kolish. They believe that when the Baal acted here to do Afarah, he weakened the Nether. And in weakening the Nether, he made it insignificant enough that the Av here cannot inherit the rights that the Baal had. As long as the father hasn't come along and filled in his Afarah, the Nether still exists. And the Arus is still a party to this nether. And that's why the second Arus is able to take in or fill in his shoes in that instance. So the only way to rectify the situation, the only way to have Hafarah here is for the father to take care of his peace and do his Hafarah. But we also need the Arus Acharon now to step in and do Hafarah and to take care of the Hafarah that the first Arus had done. But now that he's passed away, he's no longer there. And his hafarah is gone. So now that we want to replace that hafarah, the only person that can replace that hafarah is the arus, or the new arus here, 
not the father, and that's Beitelel's position, that you need the father and the Rusacharon in order to annul this neder. So that would be the explanation of the Ran, that the Beitelel and Beit Shemai are only explaining the latter case. On the other hand, with regards to the first case, that would be Ladivriakol, based on the first case, which is a Shamavia, a case where the father heard about it, they fear and he nullified it. And the Baal never heard about it and then passed away. Over here, father and the latter Baal are mefirin nedera. That's true according to Beit Hillel. For Beit Hillel, it's the same reason, which is that when the father went ahead and was made for the neder, it didn't do anything. It was only miklash kolish. Then when the Baal passes away, we're left with this weakened form of nether which the father cannot take control of. And since he can't take control of it, therefore, he needs the Arus Acharon together with him in order to be made for the nether. And that is because of the fact that the Arus Acharon is basically a replacement for the Arus Arishon. And therefore, we don't need it to be inherited. We don't need it to be passed to him as a significant item because he's basically stepping into his shoes and he can act like the first Arus did act. That would be the position of Beit Hillel. According to Beit Shammai, you have Shema v'yav Eferla. The father already did his piece. And he did the Afara. V'lo yispika ba'al lishma. The father never heard about it. Ha'chemet. And he died. So now in that case, that right should pass to the father. And the father now has the right to be made for the neder. Now, why he's able to be made for the neder is because Migas goyis. And he already was made for his piece. And now he needs to get the piece of the Baal. So what you should have had, according to Beit Shemai, is that you just have the father be made for the nether, and he shouldn't require the Baal Acharon. So now, why is the Baal Acharon, in this case, involved at all? So you have to say, according to Beit Shemai, it's a case where the father didn't exercise his right to be made for the nether after the death of the first Arus, before the marriage to the second Arus. And then once the second Arus enters the picture... That second Arus now steps into the shoes of the first Arus, and we would need the Arus or the second Arus to be made for the nether. So there would be the Av and the Arus Acharon that will generate the Haferat nether in this case. And this bright is brought of a proof to Shmuel because the bright because of what Beit Hillel says that the Av and the Arus Acharon are Mifarim Nidarim Shiniru Arus Rishon. And Beit Shammai only argues on that if her husband heard about it. And he did In a case where the Baal heard about it and did not do anything, then Alright, so the other Shito is the Shito of the Baalei Tosafot, who says that Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel argue in both instances. That Beit Hillel even argues in this second scenario and therefore, Tosva Pershu, a trade Bavi the Brito Koi. It's going both sections of the Brito. Shum, the cave in the Av, Migas Gois, since the father is Migas Gois, Idach Pago the Neder, Choshi Vledo, Rishoda Arusacharon. Therefore, the remaining piece is in existence and is strong enough to pass to the Arusacharon. Bahadiyab, along with the Av. Ubeseifa, Nami Amrinon, and then the Seif also, the Sphere the Narim, Shinula Rus, Niknura the Shut Av, Loda Arusacharon. That they went to the father and not to the latter Arus. The Beit Hillel, Afilu Av, According to Beit Hillel, even the Av with the Bao can't do it at all. 
became the Iklesh, the Choshev, the Miske, Be'arus, Ba'adayav. And since it was Mikleshit, they can't do it together whatsoever. And therefore, the way that the Beliatos would explain to it is that there are actually two reasons given over here. So therefore, according to Beit Shemai, in the first instance, the father is Migaz Goiz, and he's made for the nether, and that's sufficient to leave behind a significant portion to the Arus, Arishon, who then passes it to the Arusa Sheni. On the other hand, in the Seifa, the Rishut Arus passes to the Av, because the Arus Acharon is not Yoresh Nidarim when they already were heard by the Arusa Rishon. So that's what the two sections of the Bright are discussing according to Beit Shemai. Beit Shemai Savi Nadrim Nami Shroil Arus. Things that are heard by the Arusa Rishon, Nitrognadur Shut the Av. Then that section moves to the Av and the Av inherits it. So that's the explanation for the second half of the Brighta. Why the father alone can be made for the Nadarim in the second section is because the father inherits that right once the Baal already heard about it. The first section of the Brighta where the Baal didn't hear about it, then the father's action to be made for the Nether is Migas Gois. He took out his portion. And then what's left is that of the Arus, but that's a full portion of the Arus. And that he can then pass to the Arus Acharon. So the explanation of Beit Shemai's opinion. On the other hand, Beit Hillel says in the Reisha that the father, when he was made for the Nether, he was Miklash Kolish at the Nether. And therefore he can't be made for it anymore in the Arus Acharon. Because nobody can inherit it. The father can't inherit it because he did his portion already. The Arus Acharon can't inherit it because it's a weakened nether. And therefore he can't inherit it. That means that nobody can be made for it. And that's Beit Hillel's explanation in the first case of Lomigaz Goiz, Miklash Kolish. His explanation of the second half of the Brighta is that Aviyah Balacharon Mifirin That in that case they can. He can be made for the nether in the Arus Acharon. Because, again, the way that the Ran explained it is that the Arus Acharon steps into the shoes of the Arus Arishon, and therefore the father and the Arus Arishon can be made for the Neder. So based on that, the Balei Atosavot say that this is an explanation of the two parts of the Brayta. The first statement of Beit Shammai comes to explain their position with regards to the second half of the Brayta, and the Migas Goiz comes to explain the first case in the Brayta. And for Beit Hillel, Lo Migas Goiz explains the first case and the bright, the wide, nobody can be made for the nether. The nether's stuck at that point. And Aviyah, uh, Balacharon, being made for the nether, is explained by, or explaining that second part of the bright, the way that the Ran explained it before. Those are the two ways to explain this Gemara and to reconcile it with what we saw before in Samachat, as well as to understand the position of Beit Hillel, Beit Shemai in this instance, versus what happened back on Samachat. But now the Gemara moves on to another question, which is If the husband decides to divorce the woman, obviously we're not talking about Nisuin here, because if it's Nisuin, there's nothing to discuss. We're obviously talking about Erusin in this case. So it's Gerushin, a divorce from Erusin. Now, if he divorces her, is that the equivalence of silence? And remember that over here, silence is acquiescence once the time has elapsed. Once the Yom Shamo has expired. Without that, he still, Shtika, allows him the opportunity to continue to be made for it the remainder of the day. Oh, the fact that he divorced her already shows you that he has no interest in this woman anymore. He couldn't care less about her. And in some sense, he'd rather she keeps the Nidarim on her because she's unappealing. And that's why he's divorcing her anyway. Lamai Napkamina, the Gemara goes, what's the difference? 
once the husband's out of the picture, then why does it make a difference whether he's shtika or hakama? It has nothing. The woman's on her own. Why should it matter? So he says, because it makes a difference, kagom, shinadra, she took a nether, vishama bala, and her husband heard about it. Vigir shah. And then he divorced her. Vahadra biyome. And then he remarries her on that same day. Now, as the Ron points out over here, it doesn't have to be that he remarries her. It's Lavdavka. It could be anybody else who marries her. It could be any other person that marries her on that day. Just the more likely scenario is that if she got divorced from this guy that day, that the most likely scenario is that she would remarry that same individual. So now, when he remarries her, if you say that it was like silence when he divorced her in the first case, then he's still Yom Shamo. The clock is still ticking on Yom Shamo. And now he can be made for the nether because all he was, was before was silent. Now silent again is acquiescence only after the expiry of that day. But he remarried her on the same day. So now if he chooses to be made for the nether, he'll have that right. If you think that the divorce is the equivalent of Akamata Nether, then he would not be able to be made for it because he's already been making the nether. Once he's making the nether, you don't have a right to then reverse that position later on and be made for the nether. Hakama is hakama. Once hakama is done, there's no reversing that and being made for the nether later. So here's the nafkamino as to whether divorce acts like shtika or divorce acts like hakamata nether. Sutashma. Let's learn out of Tosefta. Ematai amru. When do we say when the husband passes away that that right is granted to the father? It's only in a case where the husband himself didn't hear about it. Oh, shama ve'efer. Or in a case where he heard about it and was made for it. Oh, shama ve'shatak. Or the husband heard about it and was silent to mate bobayom. And he died on that day. V'yamar girushin k'shtika damu. If you think that divorce is the equivalent of silence, litenami. That's another scenario. Oh, shama ve'giresh. Or it's a case where he heard about it and divorced her. That would be another scenario in which the father could inherit the right of the Baal. Because the Baal heard about it but didn't act on it. And since he didn't act on it, then that should grant the right back to the father. The fact that the Mitosefta does not include that, that shows you that Girushin is the equivalent of upholding the Nether. And that's why in that scenario, where if he divorced her, it would be the Kulmud HaKama, then the right would not transfer to the father because the Baal was already making the nether. And then there's no right to pass to the father. That's why it says, What about the latter half? Aval, im shama b'kiyem. If you heard about it, it was mikayem the nether. O shama v'shatak, umeit b'yom shacharav. Or he heard about it, v'shatak and was silent, but only died the next day. So now it expired. So here silence is acquiescence because the yom shamo expires. En yochol then in that case, the father does not inherit the right of the bow, and he cannot be made for the nether anymore. Diamart, so now you're telling me that Gerushin kakamadamu, if you believe that Gerushin is really like the husband saying, this nether is mikuyam, litne, nami, then that should also have been written in this. That's another case where the father would not inherit the right. Vim shama, vigiresh, then he should have added in that scenario, if he heard about it and divorced her. Elmedolok tani, hachi, the fact that it didn't say that, Shemaminah Gerushin Kishtigadamu, makes it sound like Gerushin is the equivalent of silence. Here, you can't prove anything. You can't infer anything from this case. If you say that the ratio is explicit, meaning that the ratio is giving you the exact cases, then, 
then he brought down the Sefer because of the Reisha. He's Sefer Davko. If the Sefer is Davko, then Nosif Reisha Mishum Sefer. Then they brought the Reisha Mishum the Sefer. So all you have to say is, we're not sure whether the Reisha or the Sefer is Davko. And then, whatever inference you would have drawn, then you would have said that the Reisha or the Sefer didn't include that, or it's not given the opposite inference, it was just brought the opposite cases to the other scenario. So say the Reisha is Davko. So in the case where the Reisha is Davko, then the inference you would have drawn is that that Gerushin is Gakamadomo. Uh, then what are you going to do with the Seifa? Well, just say that the Seifa was brought down to parallel these cases of the Reisha. Or in the reverse scenario, if we say the Seifa is Davko, and then the inference would be that Gerushin is Kishtikadomo, then what about the Reisha? The Reisha is just there to parallel the cases of the Seifa. But basically what that means is that that's inconclusive. We can't prove anything from this. We don't know which one's Davko. Since you don't know which one's Davka, we don't know which one inference is the one to rely on. If that's the case, that will not answer our question here as to whether Gerushin is Kishtika Damo or Gerushin are Kehakama Damo. Okay, we're going to stop over here, 13 lines down on Ayin Bet Amud Aleph. And we'll continue to work on the answer to this question tomorrow.